What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Sharp 600 brought to you by Covers.com. My name is Joe Fortenball, and believe it or not, this is episode 100 of the podcast. If you're listening for the first time, the second time, the 100th time, pat yourself on the back. Thank you very much for your support of this project. We launched it last July. We weren't really sure how far it would go or what direction we wanted to take it, but it's been a monster success thanks to you guys, and we can't thank you enough. For those of you I got to meet in Chicago, I'm looking forward to seeing you guys again next fall. I'm still working on putting together an event in the Bay Area. If anybody has any suggestions or ideas, I would love to hear from you. On Twitter, at Joe Fortenball. You can email me as well, joe.fortenball at gmail.com. Now, for episode 100, we're going to talk a little NFL today with a good friend of mine, Warren Sharp, from the website sharpfootballanalysis.com. I originally started talking to Warren the month I moved out to Vegas. I stumbled across some of his work before he became as known as he is today. We started talking about over-unders and totals and sides and all that good stuff. And before you know it, Warren has just blown up into one of the most respected minds in the business and as one of the sharpest minds in the business. So he is going to join us today to talk NFL strength of schedule as well as some win totals that surfaced last week at the Westgate Las Vegas Superbook. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, I give to you Warren Sharp. going to be up 500 by midnight. He is one of the most innovative, forward-thinking individuals covering the National Football League. Follow him on Twitter at SharpFootball and bookmark the website SharpFootballAnalysis.com. It will make you smarter. I guarantee it. His name is Warren Sharp, and he is joining us here on the Sharp 600. Warren, first and foremost, thank you so much for your time. It is always a pleasure getting a chance to pick your brain. Let's jump into it with this. We'll get to some NFL season win totals in just a moment. But when it comes to calculating strength of schedule, many of us have a very rudimentary approach to that process. You have taken it several steps beyond what most think of. Can you take us through your process for calculating strength of schedule? Absolutely. So a lot of people look at strength of schedule after Week 17's uh, final whistle blows and they can figure out who the team plays this upcoming year because that's known at that time back in January. And then they look at win-loss records from those teams from 2017, and then they add them all up for who they're playing in 2018, do the math and figure out what type of schedule you're going to face compared to the rest of the league, which is the completely inaccurate way to do strength of schedule. It's absolutely meaningless. You can run regression against it. It, it proves absolutely nothing for what you're going to face this year. I sort of pioneered a method a few years back of – a more accurate way to forecast it, whereby I wait until the books, and I don't just take the first book out. I like to look at a couple of different books, so it's a perfect time right now to do this podcast because we have Westgate, we have South Point, we have CG Technology, three of the bigger books in Las Vegas have these odds up, and we can look at what their overall win totals are. I kind of amalgamate them, factor in juice, of course, because that's very important. You know, A lot of people just say, hey, they've got a win total of seven. Well, if it's a win total of seven minus 150 to the over, that's not actually a true win total of seven. So you have to factor in for juice. When you do all that math and you get a final number that's the average of everything, then I look at how this factors into a team schedule in terms of who you're going to play this year, how many wins are those teams supposed to earn, and I can calculate an average strength of schedule based on current projections for the 2018 season, and these are dynamic. So on a weekly basis up at my Sharp Football Stats website, I am plugging in 
new numbers, new updated numbers. So I have Westgate's new numbers through 5.7. I have South Point's new numbers through 5.7. And I can update my strength of schedule on a moving basis based upon how the betting market is reacting, the money that they're taking in, and the adjustments that they're making to the line. How much do you factor into the equation situations like short rest, perhaps a Monday night team coming off that game to play Sunday morning and maybe they end up traveling? Or, for example, you know, three out of four games on the road or Thursday night traveling across two time zones. Do you factor those elements in? And if so, how much does each weigh? Yeah, so when I'm talking about pure strength of schedule in terms of your pure opponent that you're playing, I do not factor that in. That is more done by me on a situational basis week to week when I'm looking at handicapping those games. So obviously when I'm looking at handicapping a game, if I see a team that's in its third straight road game, I'll factor in something for that. I will um, consider that. I will adjust a little bit based upon that. If a team spent an extra week traveling and they stayed out on the West Coast for an extra week because they didn't want to have to go back and forth, like some of these situations arise mid-season that you don't necessarily know ahead of time others are just purely inherent in the schedule such as short rest playing out on the east coast a couple of time zones away i will factor those in more so when that team is actually playing the game and handicapping as opposed to trying to factor that into the strength of schedule so my numbers that i post up at sharp football stats are just pure schedule based numbers uh, based upon the opponents that they're facing and that and that alone So how do you identify, at least early on in the process, potential win totals that may look tasty? For example, someone might look like myself here in the Bay Area. I might see the Niners at 8.5 or 9. I'll work through the schedule. I'll find some tricky spots, some favorable spots. I'll look at the roster. I'll look at the time zones. And when it's all said and done, I'll arrive at a number. And if I like it or I love it, I might bet a significant amount or it could be a pass. For you, as you work through the win total numbers, what jumps out to you? What makes a bet worth making? Yeah, definitely I'm looking at a lot of those same factors as well. I'm more so looking um, just holistically for, for value. If there's a spot that I can – like I, you can tell by looking at the win totals uh, what the sports books are thinking in terms of who's projected to have a good or a bad year. And um, you can generally get a sense as to what they're thinking about some of these teams. And so I inevitably will look to fade the public sentiment and the public – uh, opinion about a lot of these teams. So uh, a team, for example, that's got a very low opinion of them right now is the Indianapolis Colts. Okay, we can just talk about one team right now. The Colts uh, have a very low projected win total. Uh, you could actually find six. I was able to get a six on them, but the six and a half elsewhere. It, and, and if you look at the games in which they're favored versus being underdog, I mean, I think they're only favored in three of the games because CG Technology posted weeks two through 16 lines already. So they're not, very, they're not favored in hardly any games. They're basically projecting that Andrew Luck's not going to be there. Now, against the third most difficult schedule of opposing offenses last year, Jacoby Brissett led this team to a fourth-quarter lead in nine of their 16 games. Due to stupid, idiotic coaching and predictable play calling, they only won four of those games. They are now playing an easier schedule of opposing defenses this year than they did last year. They've got a new uh, head coach in there who's going to be a lot more intelligent. They're going to incorporate more analytics as well. I like their GM, Chris Ballard, and the players that he's bringing in there. And 
I'm going to bank, go ahead and fade the public consensus that Andrew Luck's not going to play. I think even with Brissett, we've got a shot at hitting this win total. But if Lux comes in there and plays, obviously they're going to be favored in more than three games this year. Obviously they should probably win more than six. So uh, that's one of the things I'm going to look to fade a lot of the public uh, market consensus that's out there. Yours is one of the more intelligent approaches when it comes to win totals, but how does emotion factor in? And what I mean by that is this. If you're going to play an over like the Colts and you see a good number early, you do run the risk of an injury during any one of these rookie camps or training camps or preseason games possibly derailing your bet, such as when Michael Vick rolled his ankle in that preseason game years ago when he was with the Atlanta Falcons. So do you factor that in at all? Like maybe if you're going to play over do you want to wait if you play unders maybe you fire earlier or do you just keep that injury analysis out of the equation and play the best value possible i'm i'm purely looking at value and so and i'm obviously anticipating what the public is going to do so that that plays into the value i'm going to take a bet when i think i'm going to be able to get the best number possible um, the closer it gets to the season, if and if rumors are starting to circulate, Andrew Luck is throwing now, Andrew Luck's doing more and more in practice, that sort of thing, then obviously the money's going to come in on the Colts and you're going to get a worse value then. I don't think the line is going to get much worse. We inevitably will see it decrease a little bit if Luck is announced out and he's going to miss you know, the first month of the season or something like that. Like Inevitably, you will see a drop, even though I truly think that it, it, this is almost rock bottom. Like I don't see how it could get any worse than this. The team led nine out of 16 games entering the fourth quarter with Brissett playing all, not even – all of last year he was brought in like after the first week of the season is when he got his first start so um, I, I think you are sort of towards rock bottom but I absolutely don't factor any sort of emotion into it but I will tell you that I have circled and and we've already bet far more unders than overs with regard to the win totals and I don't do that purely just because uh, I'm rooting for injuries and I also don't do that purely just because there are inevitably edges uh, because they do the math on if you do the math on these win totals and you add up all 32 teams, you're going to get more than the possible 256 wins on the season. You're going to get like between 258 and 259. Then you factor in juice. It's even a little bit higher than that because they shade some of these things towards the over. But I'm not betting unders just you know on select teams just because of that either. I'm just looking for value in certain situations where I think teams are a little bit overestimated. So I don't necessarily bet unders just to be betting unders but i do tend to bet more unders for win totals than i do overs how difficult is it to cap a team that might have a new head coach like indianapolis or a new quarterback like minnesota i think it's extremely important to understand what the team was the prior year if you're talking about a head coach and new offensive coordinator that makes it even more difficult because we see the ineptitude across the league in general for a lot of these coaches and coordinators and they try to use guys in the wrong manner they so you have a team that you think you got a good situation like okay this team wasn't good last year they got rid of their their coaching staff they brought in these new guys i think they might be able to do something with them but then they use them in the wrong way so it's always tricky because as as you well know a lot of what handicapping ends up becoming during the course of the season is not just what i think you know, is going to happen, but I have to handicap, will the coach actually make these right decisions? You know, will he take advantage of these matchups that I can see based on watching film and looking at the analytics, but will the coach actually do that? Will the coach actually implement these 
uh, edges that he should be implementing. So that's another layer that gets added onto it in season that sort of makes things more convoluted. But in season wins ahead of the season, you're absolutely correct. It does become a little bit more difficult, and you have to take it team-by-team basis. Um, With Sam Bradford, you know, moving teams, you got Kirk Cousins coming into Minnesota. Like, you definitely have to uh, take into consideration – what was he best at doing when he was in Washington? Do we think he's going to be asked to do similar things here? What type of weapons will he have if he's asked to throw the ball in a certain manner? So uh, it takes a lot of work. It's not easy, but you can uh, make projections, and that's what this is all about. It's making intelligent projections, and you're certainly not going to be right every step of the way. That's why you want to be careful that when you're tying up your money for, you know, you're not going to get anything back until January, that you want to make sure that you believe you actually have an edge here. You don't just want to bet these things just to bet them and just, you know, hope that you're going to do well because it's fun. Uh, You're looking at this as an investment. If you're tying up your money that long, you want to make sure that you think that you're going to have an edge. All right, let me throw a few teams at you. We'll start with the Niners. I cover them here living in the Bay Area. Over under nine at the Westgate. Overs even money at the moment. I think it's going to be tough for this team to get to 10 wins. I think they're a bit overvalued because of the way they closed last year with Jimmy Garoppolo. They open on the road at Minnesota. In fact, three of their first four are going to be on the road. And every time I pour through some of the data, as much as I like Kyle Shanahan as a play caller, I see a lot of holes on this team and a lot of tricky spots on the schedule that could prevent them from getting to 10 wins. Do you have a lean on the Niners? Well, I'll give you some uh, strength of schedule information based on the manners that I calculated. And what I can tell you is that they have a very difficult schedule. They have the third most difficult schedule to start the season's first seven weeks. If you look at the weeks one through uh, two through 16 lines that got posted, of their first seven games, they're only favored in two of the seven. They're actually underdogs in five of their first seven games, which is surprising. But over the course of the rest of the season, they're going to be only underdogs one time out of the rest of the year they actually face from week eight onward the second easiest schedule. So you're going to need to steal a few wins in the earlier part of the season and a lot of road games, you know, at Kansas City, at Minnesota, at, at San Diego, sorry, L.A. Chargers, and at Green Bay. Like That's a gauntlet of road teams that you're going to have to steal a win out of that in order to feel good about your bet heading uh, later in the season. I do think it's very tight. I don't see a lot of value. I was hoping that they were going to drop this team uh, bumped them up a little bit from last year, but not as high as they did. Obviously, Garoppolo came in last year and lit the world on fire. Uh, I love Shanahan. I love the fact that he got aggressive and went out and got some key pieces offensively, like Jarek McKinnon. I think he's a great, uh, great player for fantasy this year, as do I'm sure a lot of other people, because when you're a coach and you go and you make a move to grab a guy like that, such as the Dante Pettis, where they put a lot of commodity into that. They traded up to get him, drafted him high in the second round, they're going to have a plan. They're going after guys. They're going to have a plan for them. I like that decisiveness from a coach that's, got, that's going to be calling the plays. So I really hope they can do well. I hope they exceed it, but I'm not sure how much value is there. People love John Gruden, but he's been out of the game a long time. And in my opinion, he's made some very peculiar moves, both in free agency and through the draft. Now, it remains to be seen whether or not those will work out. But just from my initial look, I think the schedule sets up well. What are you seeing for the silver and black? Yeah, I have I have a pretty easy schedule overall for the Oakland Raiders. I have them as having the fifth easiest schedule um, based on my projection. So they will obviously face a very difficult opening game, um, and they play Denver week two in Denver. And I can tell you, just look back at the numbers for what Denver does when they play at home the first couple weeks of the season. Teams in altitude there 
fair very difficult, especially of late. And one of the reasons is because they're making it much easier on these players during training camp, and they're not yet in full game condition. And then early in the season, they're asked to go up to altitude in Denver. It just becomes a very difficult uh, task for them. But overall, I think the schedule is manageable. I mean, I have it as the fifth um, easiest schedule, but there, there's definite ups and downs. You know, it's, it's not like they have one – uh, stretch where it's going to be a lot easier than any other. It's back and forth. They play a lot of uh, a lot of games where they're making road trips and back home, then road trips and back home. So it's not the most ideal schedule, and I don't have a lot of faith in Gruden. I also don't have a lot. I think Derek Carr lost a lot of luster uh, from last season, and obviously they got rid of Crabtree. So how well will they rebound? How well will Gruden call plays? How well will they make adjustments? There's just a lot of unknowns for me to be too confident about the Raiders right now. Before we let you go, I'm not going to ask you to reveal the secret sauce by any means, but if you had one or two maybe buy-low candidates or potential sell-high candidates, which direction would you steer us? Um, well, if we want to talk about just pure season wins, um, I, I just mentioned the Colts. I like the Colts. I think that there's opportunity if luck is back that they're going to be able to outperform what their numbers are and then in terms of I don't even want to say it's like a sell high because they're not high but um, there there are spots where you can get the Buffalo Bills under seven and I think that that is actually a very uh, worthwhile wager to make they got a situation where they've got Josh Allen in there uh, when will they start him? They have a very difficult start to the regular season. One of the most difficult, I think it's the fourth most difficult in the NFL over the first five or six weeks. Um, that's going to make them possibly look to make a move to a backup quarterback sooner rather than later. If they're struggling a lot, they want to get Josh Allen in there, see what he can do. Um, the team doesn't have a lot of talent around him from a receiving pr- perspective. They traded away some of the players to move up to get him. Some of the picks that they could have been using to uh, really – bolster that offensive line so I think offensively they're going to struggle and if you look at what this team did last year yes they won nine games but if they didn't win the turnover battle like if they pushed or lost the turnover battle they hardly won any games last year they basically won all their games because they won the turnover battle they were a very aggressive defense I like that Sean McDermott's going to coach them up the same way but if they got a a rookie quarterback in there who's not as careful with the football like Tyrod Taylor who had a very low ceiling but high floor, like he didn't make a lot of turnovers, very ball conscious and turnover conscious. If they have a quarterback who's a little bit more all over the wall, will make a big play but might turn the ball over, that's going to affect their overall numbers. It's going to really be difficult for them to record many wins if they aren't winning the turnover battle this year. So I think they're a team that even though the win total is pretty low, um, I'm, I'm down on the bills this year. If you are looking to improve your football knowledge, if you are trying to become a smarter football mind or a smarter football better, this is the guy to follow. Check him out on Twitter, at SharpFootball, and you've got to bookmark the website, SharpFootballAnalysis.com. Good friend of mine, Warren Sharp, joining us here on the podcast. Warren, you're a busy man, but I always appreciate you making time for me, man. Thank you so much. Take care. Look forward to doing it again soon. Sounds great, Joe. Behold the world ransom for... billion. Episode 100 is in the books. Big shout out to Warren Sharp for joining us on this episode of the Sharp 600. It's always a blast to get to pick his brain. Thank you to all of you for your continued support of this project. It is greatly appreciated. We're back later in the week. We've still got a few interesting ideas we're going to roll out over the next few days. But for right now, everybody, enjoy the NBA and NHL playoffs. Be well and best of luck.